morning, everybody. Happy January the 17th to you. Uh, this Monday morning's cup of coffee is brought to you by Starbucks, the French roast K-cup version. Uh, continuing to go through that. Um, my brother, I'm uh, very excited about this, my brother Todd, is sending me a coffee sampler from uh, Charleston, South Carolina. So not sure which one will be in that bag of goodies, but I'm very much looking forward to it. So Todd, thank you uh, for being willing to send that our way. Looking forward to it. Um, some thoughts around culture and change this morning, but um, I want to start with uh, crypto. Uh, and Cardano is making a little bit of a run here uh, this morning. Last couple of days, to be honest. Um, I know that there are uh, some announcements forthcoming. And I know um, I had watched a post by Altcoin Daily the other day that said, uh, you know, January 20th is a really big day for Cardano as a crypto. You know, there are some things that, man, in the first quarter of this year, um, if they could pop, if things could really, uh, you know, get moving with some of my coins, I'd be so thankful. Um, I know that Cardano, uh, just being able to prove itself uh, with scalability, I think is one big. Um, I also noticed that um, Bitplay Crypto had a, uh, they posted, uh, a couple of their guys were posting about Cardano NFTs and how that's starting to grow. And the idea that maybe a big name could flip uh, off of maybe away from Ethereum NFTs and more over to Cardano NFTs. I mean, who knows if that would happen or not. But I, I really do, I believe in this coin. I believe that even though the growth is slow, um, or the, the productivity of it is slow right now. I think it's because they're really trying to address uh, the matrix of decisions that come with building a robust coin. That's the best way I can describe it. Um, when I look at what Ethereum did, I think Ethereum has a very good product. Obviously, the gas fees are a real problem. And it has the advantage of being first in this space. Um, but it it also, by being first, I mean, there are things that I think they, and I don't think it's anybody's fault. I don't think it was with male intent, but I, I really do think that um, in order to, to be, to have that first mover advantage, uh, that you're, you're not creating the, most, the perfect coin, you're creating the most pragmatic and usable coin in that moment, and then you, you develop it as you go. Kind of, I've heard the phrase before, building the airplane in the air. Um, I think that's kind of what I see with Ethereum, and I like it. I, I mine Ethereum. I'm, I'm a big fan of Ethereum. I think Ethereum has uh, opened up the world of altcoins in, in a phenomenal way, and, and, uh, and I've reaped a lot of that benefit. Um, just got paid, actually, with another Ethereum deposit, another one-tenth of one Ethereum through Ethermine. Thank you very much. Into my, uh, into my reserve of ETH. So, but I'm, I'm just big on Cardano and it's, it's starting to pop a little bit. I know Crypto Jeb took up a pretty significant position on it recently. And I'm just, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing there. So who knows, maybe it keeps popping. Um, you know, I, I think people have talked like, hey, there's a chance. Like, could we be looking at five to $10 Cardano here soon? Well, I really hope so. Um, <laughs> I mean, frankly, I'm, I'm looking forward to $100 Cardano and you know, $200 Cardano, I'm, 
you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm getting greedy, but, but look, you look at what Solana did last year. I mean, Solana just took off. And um, I think Solana's got, you know, I own a little bit of Solana, but I, I can't own much of it because of the price. And so, you know, Cardano is just one of those coins where like, man, if that could pop, um, you know, it could seriously, seriously help our bottom line in terms of future investing and stuff like that. And that's, I mean, that's the fun of it, right? Um, these returns on investment are a lot faster than what you see in, in other uh, in, in stocks and stuff like that. And there's volatility and all that stuff. I get it. But, you know, I'm, I have, I'm holding out big hope for Cardano and for XRP in the first quarter of this year. I don't know if or what can happen <clears throat> with the SEC lawsuit. I know that people were talking about this thing being over in September of last year. And here we are in the middle of January and, and we're not there. But man, <clears throat> if man, if XRP gets listed on other exchanges, I'd, I'd be a, man, I just think there's so much potential there. So I'm, I'm holding a decent quantity of both, <clears throat> excuse me, Cardano and XRP. So obviously, um, there's a lot of hopium here on my side. But um, hey, just a recommendation too, if you're getting into crypto and some of this stuff is interesting, uh, I, I don't want you thinking of me as a, a financial advisor at all. I'm not. I'm exploring this space and I'm talking about it. But I do think, um, even though they would not say they're financial advisors, um, I do think that Altcoin Daily, uh, Bitboy Crypto, uh, and Crypto Jab, I think if you were to start, um, and, and MM Crypto too, uh, he's, he's uh, definitely more focused on, um, on Bitcoin and the Bitcoin price, as he talks about. But, um, you know, those are people that if you start watching, I think you could get a good education and a good basis of understanding of what's going on in the crypto world. So, you know, just take a look at those uh, folks. I watch them with a decent amount of regularity, uh, although I have to be careful not to watch them too much because, you know, it ends up, uh, yeah, it can consume all of your day if you're not careful. So... So that's my bit about uh, crypto here this morning. Uh, hope it's helpful. Uh, again, my this stuff could just be cathartic for me, but I do like to talk about it and, and what I'm learning in this space. So uh, buy some Cardano, buy some XRP. I'm not a financial advisor, but I see a lot of potential in those projects. So, all right. Um, I want to talk about some culture and some change here uh, this morning. Um, man, my world has been rocked recently um by uh I have a friend who made you know I, I've talked about this before I'm a person of faith and so you know a lot of the things that I'm looking at are not just in, in the culture of the world but in the culture of the church. And um you know my oh man, this is hard but uh, I have a friend who made a made a great decision and it's going to affect, you know, it's already affected his life and his family. And um, I'm not here to talk about the details of that. Um, but, you know, what it, what it reminded me of is that change is inevitable in this world. And one of the things that has just been really hard for me to deal with recently is just the change of the reality that um, I'm not going to 
be able to necessarily see him as much as I used to. Um, and, that, and that's because, you know, we, we used to meet a few times a year as a group. And, um, you know, you'd see him three, four times a year and just catch up. How's life, how's family, stuff like that. And, you know, he's not going to be in that position anymore. He's not going to be a part of this team because rightfully, you know, the what he did, it, it's it's one of those things that, hey, you, you can't, you can't be in a position of leadership right now. We got to get you some help. And so that change is, um, it's just hard. It's hard. Um, I'm also dealing with um, a person in our church locally who has been battling a significant case of, of COVID. Uh, and we're not talking weeks, we're talking months at this point. And it's just weird how things change when someone's not around as much. They used to be, and then they're not. And it's weird, especially when they were there, and then just all of a sudden, it's like now they're you know now they're in a a really you know, at one point a life threatening situation, and now a long road to recovery. It's just tough when that stuff changes, and it's but it's real, and it makes you just process through <clears throat> sometimes the difficulty you know, there's joy in change but there's difficulty in change too and um, I think I've just been dealing with a lot of that reality lately the difficulty of change I'm going to miss my friend um, actually just happened to be writing to them this morning because while I am going to miss them I really do believe that it's not over. Um, that even though for a little bit I won't be seeing him much or as much as I used to because of my job and just my connection to him. <coughs> Excuse me. I believe that I will, that maybe the story isn't over. You know, and that's the great hope that, that I have as a Christian. You know, that, that there's redemption, or second chances. At the heart of the gospel, but that change is really hard. Um, and it, but it did make me appreciate something about the church as a culture. And I am by no means saying that we do this well all the time, but um, I, I was thinking about this a lot this weekend. Um, I'm a fan of a, a, a pastor by the name of John Piper. Um, some people he, some people really love him. Some people absolutely despise him. Um, I happen to, I don't know the man personally, okay, but I can tell you that in being around him in a couple of events and in just watching his lifelong commitment to Christ, I I respect him a great deal. Uh, quite a bit. Um, he has a son, Abraham, uh, who is not a huge fan of the church very much anymore. And I happened to watch a couple of videos of his this weekend, and um, you know, just poking, poking holes in the church. And I think that um, he had some good perspective on if you happen to be looking at the church 
through the lens of it being uh, like a cultural club, a club where you go see your friends. <clears throat> I think that there are a lot of people that do look at it that way, and I think that there are a lot of people that could make the criticism that while they want the church to be a family, that maybe it does feel more like a club sometimes. And 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 for that criticism, I think we need to pay attention to that. But I would also say that the church, when in its function, when in its capacity, to do some pretty powerful things, that it actually can be like a family. It can be a network of not just cultural stuff, but but rather, um, I, I don't have any family anymore because of the commitment I've made to follow Jesus. I, I've seen this. Throughout the world, and so while I think that Piper's、uh, Abraham's criticism of the church is fair when it comes to if you're looking for the church to be a cultural club, if you're looking for the church to be a place where you can kind of market yourself, and you're looking for the church to be a place to to essentially be a club that gives you what you want, or or gives you an opportunity to get what you want. Then I, I think that his criticism is totally warranted. But where I would disagree with him is in what I'm seeing in the two cases that I just mentioned a few moments ago, and that would be my friend who has been dealing with COVID, pastor friend who has been dealing with it for months now. Um. What I've personally observed, and again, I'm not super close to the situation, but I'm I'm connected to the situation. What I've seen is people regularly and repeatedly step up and ask, "What can we do to help? What can we do to love on this family? What can we do to serve our friends in this time?" And that, to me. Is a family that to me is what you would want. That's not a club. That's a family. That's a family that's trying to do what it can to cobble its resources and to put whatever it has your t- their time, their talent, and their treasure and give it to a family that needs it. That's a part of their family, a part of their church family. And 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 I, I get his criticism. I really do. I mean, I, I've been a part of small groups before, where I'm just like, you know, we're studying a we're studying a book of the Bible, but I don't know these people. I, I don't know anything about their lives. I don't know if their marriage is falling apart. I don't know if they're doing okay financially. I don't know if their kids are okay. I, all of that stuff. Like, I that there are times of genuine frustration, where if you can't break past that depth of intimacy. With a group of people, it does feel like a club. It does, but it doesn't always feel that way. It feels like a family.、Um, you know, the second situation with my friend, who's you know no longer you know, he was employed by a church. He's no longer employed by a church. What I've seen again, I'm not. 
tightly connected to it, but I exchange emails with my friend and his, his spouse, letting them know that I'm thinking about them and I'm praying for them. Like that's not a club to me. Um, they have a significant need, the help that he needs. Um, and, and it's going to require people financially contributing to help them in this season that they're in. And, and I don't know if they're going to hit the goal of what they need, but I, I know that people have stepped up and have started giving and just saying, yeah, I'm in. Uh, you know, to me, that's not a club. That's a family. And when you wake up in the morning and you're dealing with the emotion of maybe being angry with this person, but also feeling broken for this person and praying for this person and, and loving this person and just asking God to not be done with this person. And that's not a club. That's a family. And while Piper's criticism, Abraham's criticism, I think is warranted when you look at churches or small groups where there's just this surface level connectivity, you know, this, this almost cultural Christianity that has been pervasive in, in the church. Like when that happens, I get it. I get his criticism. I get it. But I've also been somebody who's been in these situations, the two that I've shared, but <laughs> I've also been in situations when you're staring down the barrel of a terminal diagnosis and the church family is doing everything that they can to love on that family as somebody within a family unit is dying. I've held the hand of somebody as they were dying. Sat with them. Prayed for them. Read the scriptures over them. That's real. I've said goodbye to people that I really, really love, that I worked with in ministry, thanking them, thanking them for their commitment to the family, to the to the to the body of Christ, for their commitment to the Lord, and for their commitment to serve together. That's real. That's a family. So those families do exist. They're out there. And you might have to, you might have to pick and you might have to pry. I, I get that. Um, and, and there are some churches where you want to go into a depth of relationship with people and, and they're closing you off from that. I, I'm not excusing that. But I am saying that there are plenty of churches out there that really are functioning in a way where they're giving you everything that they can, trying to love and trying to serve and trying to encourage in ways that do feel like you're a part of a family, that you feel like you're a part of something that is so transcendent that because of the gospel, forgiving these people, they stop and they say to themselves, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? That's out there. So I do appreciate Abraham's critique of some things. Um, that, you know, there's a lot of feelings that I have as I think about my own family. But, um, you know, I, I, I take I take his perspective and I do appreciate it. 
but I have to take his perspective and I have to make sure that I compare it with my experience. And that may be anecdotal for some, but it's been transformational for me. Have a wonderful day, folks. I hope you have a great week. Thank you.